Hey, Jeff. Yes. Have you ever had the urge to just hop into an empty Alaska Airlines plane, take off, barrel roll across the skies of Washington State, and then come to the realization that, hey, you don't know how to land and your future might not be very bright? Did did this actually happen? Because this is going on literally in the last half hour, and oh. which is why I'm, it is twelve thirty a.m. Eastern. Um, I guess uh, Kota Ibushi and Kenny Omega is about to start in a few hours. But no, that's not why I'm up. It's not why I'm up. I'm up because for the last hour, I've been captivated by Twitter, and this is the magic of Twitter, Jeff, that you can live, basically stream. A hijacking, not even a hijacking, a theft because this plane was empty. There was a theft tonight at a at, at a major airport in Seattle. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'm seeing it now. Of an okay. Alaska Airlines plane, uh, some dude named Rich, and maybe that'll be different once we the real name comes out, but some guy, a mechanic. Hold on. Account, hold on. Creech has gone insane, finally. Joe drove him to it. Yeah. Joe or Cody Rhodes, one of them, mm-hmm. finally drove him nuts. But anyway. This guy decides, okay, Friday night, you know what? I've had enough. Maybe his shift was over and he just wanted something to do. And this was what he decided. I don't know. But this plane was stolen. Empty plane. Stolen. Taken off. And everyone's like, wait a second. What is this plane going in the air? We didn't. We we don't know about this plane. Goes in the air. Ground stop at Seattle. I'm listening for like 20 minutes to Seattle air traffic control. Wondering what the hell is going on. And for a short time, they were communicating with the pilot. You could listen to it live. Mm-hmm. And it was the most surreal thing. And of course, the plane has crashed. The guy's dead. That's the that's the sad end, I guess, to the story. But it, it, is, that, is that hold on? Is that part true? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This this plane has been uh, this plane was either shot down by military fighter jets oh, no. or he just no, I'm that he was being chased by military fighter jets. You all are going to wake up tomorrow. Well, you're going to listen to this. You're going to listen to me ramble on about this story, not knowing what the hell I'm talking about. You're going to read it and you'll be like, OMG. If he was shot down or even if he wasn't just the rumor of that. Well, listen, you are flying. Alex, Alex Jones is making a comeback. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, for sure. Yeah, for for sure. I don't know if that's good or bad. I believe it's bad. It's always bad. Okay. <laughs> I'm I'm glad, Jeff, you stand on the same side as I do. Yeah, he's an idiot. Okay. Okay. Well, we've gotten that going. Uh, we've lost two listeners who are devout Alex Jones fans, I'm sure. Just move on to your point. Sorry. This guy. Yes. So he was probably up in the air for, what, 30 minutes or so. Okay. And I believe uh, I did not hear this part because I was like two minutes late to the party. I did not hear this part. But apparently he was telling air traffic control that he wanted to do a barrel roll because that's what you would do when you steal a plane, right? Yes. Okay. So he's up in the air. He's probably failed at doing this barrel roll because as we would later discover, he doesn't know how to fly a plane or especially land it. So he's up there realizing, you know what? This is a one-way stop. And he is on this plane. Military fighter jets are dispatched from like Dallas and he's in Washington. Okay. Now, a lot of this is reckless speculation. You should not be uh, going for hundred percent facts from this story. Go read it yourself, but I'm pretty sure they were dispersed from like Dallas, which means they got there super quick. So I don't know how the logistics of that work, but anyway, he's being chased by fighter jets 
people in Washington, they hear a boom. They hear, they see smoke flying. This, this plane is down now after its flight. Uh, I imagine the guy did not survive. The questions will come out probably overnight here, whether he was shot down or whether he just, you know, crashed. We'll see. Um, he had to have wanted to die because I think if you could oh, keep absolutely. that thing afloat, you do one, you could do one of those Bane things where you know you 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 get another plane and you know shoot some you know repelling devices Something. down there and and you could actually get someone on there who could land that thing. Yeah, uh, this guy uh, did not land. I, right now in Alaska Air, their website, we are aware of an incident involving Horizon Air aircraft. Whatever <laughs> updates <laughs> will be posted. Incident. Oh, it, it was quite the incident. Oh, but so my question to you, Jeff, is have you ever had that urge? You're listening to Shake Them Ropes with Jeff Hawkins. This week on Shake Them Ropes. A tale of two promos, one on Raw, one on SmackDown. A couple of debuts, one on Raw, one on NXT. Talk a little bit of uh, ROH selling out MSG with the help of New Japan. We'll talk a little Mae Young Classic, but I won't spoil it. I promise it. I'm Jeff Hawkins. This is Shake Them Ropes number 279. Hi. Thanks again to Rob McCarron for dropping in and saying hello to the kids in the old neighborhood. We miss you, Rob. Even though you're staying up late right now watching planes do barrel rolls and get shot down and what. So, Ring of Honor... And New Japan have sold out Madison Square Garden for Mania Weekend this next year in New York City. Good for the wrestling business overall. I don't expect WWE to take this lying down. Now, there are people who ask questions that are kind of ridiculous. They ask, well, does this mean WWE feels that they'll be threatened and they'll have to change their product somehow? No. Because that's not how they react to such things. They react one of two ways. They try and buy out talent that are on that show. Much like they did this year for All In. With, I mean, Deanna Perrazzo is a pretty big name in women's wrestling. She was supposed to be uh, the women's headliner, I believe, at All In. Or they try and flood the market share with more WWE products so that they are the dominant name within there. Now, how are they going to do that? I don't know. But I think that's going to be the tactic or, you know what, things happen in New York City. Things happen at Madison Square Garden. You'll recall that uh, back in the day when WCW was going to run a pay-per-view, and I believe in Nashville, the night before, WWE happened to be running that same venue, happened to take their sweet time getting out of the venue. Kind of put a damper on production for WCW that night. You know, who knows? There could be union issues that go down at Madison Square Garden that night. WWE would know how to do that kind of thing because they've run that building many, many times. They know the politics of New York City. They know the politics of wrestling. You could get a surprise fire inspection that night. Who knows? I think they'll also go their traditional route. I think they're going to throw a lot of money at certain guys that are going to be on that card. Primarily, the Bucks, Kenny Omega, and Cody Rhodes. Now, you could say, yeah, but guys, they're not in it for the money. They want the creative freedom. They like their family. They like this. They like that. Money's money. And the, everybody has a number. 
And right now, WWE has enough to give somebody a number that they want. Now, I think Kenny Omega, to me, seems like the kind of guy that if if the Bucks don't go, he won't go. And I don't know if the Bucks want to go necessarily. I, th- I think, you know, and I'm just, this is reckless speculation. This is because I don't know these guys. But they have families. And you know what? There's good money, and they're set you up for life money. And this might be set you up for life money. Uh, overall, I think the guy who would most likely take the deal is probably Cody Rhodes. Because if the Bucks and Omega decide to leave, I don't think he's a marketable enough name to be able to carry the pay-per-view by himself. And at the same time, he could rationalize it as, hey, look, this may be my last chance to get back into WWE, which I think is important to him. I think it's important that he tells WWE to eat it, and then they come back to him and they offer him a gig, and hey, we'll make you a big star now, you know, just like your dad, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, and Cody Rhodes takes a deal and goes, which isn't as big a loss to the pay-per-view, but it's a loss nevertheless. Um... But I do think they're going to basically, the negotiator's going to go like this. How much would it take you to come? And and it depends on how they play that. I mean, if they if you give them a number, they'll probably say deal. If it's one of those, well, I don't know, maybe you should offer me something and then we'll negotiate like this, then it could become a bit of a juxtaposition type thing. Or the other thing that WWE might do here, and look, if you're going to get tickets to NXT TakeOver, I think you're going to have a hell of a show. They could top load that thing and try and get people to put their tickets on the secondary market to come in. Now, I don't know if there's a match hot enough to put on that card in NXT to do it. I think NXT is not going to have any problems selling out to begin with. But they'd have to make it a must-see show to get people to want to drop their tickets to go there, and then people would pick them up anyway. So, look, I think I think overall for the business, it's good. I think you're going to have two sold-out shows at two big buildings, and that's going to be great. It's going to be great, I think. And I'm good for me because I'm staying home this year, I think, from Mania. I'm going to watch it all from the comfort of my couch with snacks and drinks and not having to worry about getting around New York City, which is a city I do not care for. Also of note this week in the WWE, Ronda Rousey made her debut on Raw with little to no fanfare overall during the week. It kind of got promoted on Monday, I believe, was the first we heard of it. I might be wrong on that. Um, It was an okay debut. I think Alicia Fox is uh, game for this. I think they kind of showed what the blueprint's going to be for Ronda matches, for long matches. She's going to come out smiling, happy fan, and eventually, much like Hogan had the moment where he hulked up, Ronda's going to go to that place, get on the mean bitchy face, and just kill fools. I think that's probably the archetype for what they're going to do. I think it's kind of interesting. Um, and it's in the WWE veneer. It's in their style. That that it's kind of over the top. If you're expecting her to be kind of an indie-rific you know, have a nice, long, good match with work rate and eventually come out. No, they're going to they're gonna play up the anger issues, I think. I think they're going to play up that part of their personality. I think they've, they've caught on to something that works here for her 
on on the screen. I, I still think Alexa Bliss is the most compelling character on WWE television in terms of the women right now, which is a shame because her wrestling, to me, doesn't live up to that. But I think, you know, you watch her. Uh, it, look, it was a debut. I wouldn't... My problem with this debut is, again, you know, you have to give Fox the credibility for some reason instead of just letting... Instead of just letting her kill her, which would have been a far more... It would have been a bigger pop. It would have been star-making. And that's the whole point of it. Like, you go the same way to NXT this week. And NXT, surprisingly enough, Keith Lee debuted this week. So, look, he hasn't been in the WWE system that long. He's only been in there maybe a month, maybe less. I think he reported in July. And they debuted him against Marcel Barthel. And it's obvious they see something in Marcel... And it's obvious they see something in Keith Lee. This is the worst kind of debut that WWE does. Two guys that really show a lot of promise and they're here both making their first television debut? No. If you want to make stars, you send one guy out there and you send a guy you can beat and you have him kill him. That, because what you're doing in the WWE is you're, you're conditioning your audience as to how they should react and how they should view this guy. Keith Lee should be a killer on this on this roster right now. And especially on the main roster, if they ever bring up, he should be a mini Vader of sorts. And I, I told you, I mean, I went to see Keith Lee when he started debuting, when he left ring of honor around, um, you know, the WWN type shows and things like that. Keith Lee is the kind of guy that's made for the WWE, but he's also the kind of guy that they will screw up easily. If you're not careful. Because he has a big personality. You know, he he can talk. He has a nice catchphrase. He does all the nice little genuflections of that are rather big that play the back of the room. And he's a minority, which is, you know, in WWE land, they don't handle those that well, all that often. Let's be honest. Let's have straight talk. He's a nice, friendly, African-American gentleman. He could end up in Titus Worldwide and be doing skits. And getting beat by the authors of pain week after week. That could be him. Or they could add a little toughness to him. They could add a little, you know, spice to this act where it's kind of, you know, the friendliness is just a veneer for, for a certain kind of ruggedness. But he gave way too much offense to Marcel Barthel, I think. I, and it's interesting. They kind of took the ring comp gimmick in, from the indies and gave it to Marcel. You know. Oh, Walter and uh, Tim Thatcher going, hey, what's the deal here? But you know what? If that leads to something, hey, great. Give Stokely to him and have all three on that TV show. I'm, I'm good with that. But it's the worst kind of debut because while guys can look good in that kind of debut, people who have never seen these guys before are making their first impressions and they're going, okay, he struggled against a guy who was new as well. And I, I just don't think that's the kind of thing you want for uh, for WWE television. It's it's not the kind of thing for a rather casual audience to watch and go, yeah, that's a guy I want to get behind. You know, the full sale crowd helped with the reaction. And that's that's the plus of debuting a guy at full sale is that they know everybody. They know what to chant. They know the gimmicks. They're very, very smart. 
I just don't know if, uh, you know, casuals who may be tuning into NXT, I don't know if they're going to pick up at it as well. The other thing that was particularly telling about the Ronda debut was kind of the juxtaposition of timing between that coming soon after the segment with Sasha and Bailey, who they've been trying to rebuild in an effort to get some momentum going into this Evolution pay-per-view, and then they promptly beat them against the Riot Squad to reintroduce or to, you know, bring back Ruby Riot. I like Ruby. I like the Riot Squad. This was the improper way to do all of this because none of them looked good. You know, don't do it during a match. I, I still don't understand this. We need the automatic rematch every week to get 50-50 booking. I, I still don't get that. You have plenty of people on this roster. Spread it out a bit and then come back to it two or three weeks later. But you could have had a, vin- a vignette in the back where Ruby appears, you know, out of the shadows and jumps people. You know, leads to the match and maybe... You know, Sasha got hurt during that time, and then she loses because of that. I don't think they should be losing right now. I think you need to get as much momentum, especially if you're going to do a women's tag belts. You need to give as much momentum as opposed to trying to establish a rivalry right now. You can establish a rivalry later. But if you're going to try and establish a rivalry, you got to keep the two teams apart from one another. They can't just trade wins back and forth because that doesn't work with the main roster crowd. This isn't a, for lack of a better term, you can't do pure in-ring storytelling with this division You you because they're so used to WWE-style product. What they learn is people who get beat are losers and we shouldn't pay attention. So they'll start chanting other things during your main shows once you try and get to the big match. And I think that's unfair to the women. Um, You know, I, I don't think they purposefully wanted to shade the rest of the women's division while getting Ronda over, but that's kind of what they did here, if you really think about it. It's, it's, it's amazing to me in some ways that they do it that way. The Mae Young Classic will be starting... Uh, in a few weeks, they're going to do it. They're not going to drop it for binge-watching this time, which I think is a smart move. They're going to do it one at a time so that people have time to catch up, not get spoiled on Twitter if they choose not to. Um, but in terms of the Women's Evolution pay-per-view, I'm hopeful, given the results of this pay-per-view, that looks like they're going to be going with a quote-unquote legitimate wrestling-heavy storyline. Now, look, I the Mae Young Classic is still a WWE creation. Last year, it was kind of the story to get over Shayna Baszler while seeing what they had with Ky- Kyrie Sane and some of the tr- and some of the training center people. You know, your Lacey Evans, your Vanessa Bournes. Um, your, uh, EST, why can't, oh, Bianca Belair, those types. And you've seen what they've done with them. They put them on TV from week to week. They put them in matches against veterans of the women's indie scene. And they went from there. This year, it's going to be a little bit different in my opinion. I I think it's going to be, okay, the foreign people we have under contract, we're going to, we're going to test them. We're going to put them out there because we know they can work against other people in there. And the people we're going to test right now, we're going to test our noobs against veterans again to see what we have here. 
and we're going to bring a couple of those people that we weren't sure about that we had under contract to see how their growth process was. I think that's what you're going to be seeing in these matches. They're going to be edited heavily, so you're not going to know exactly what they were looking at because they're trying to avoid, I mean, let's face it, (laughs) we're going to avoid a Marty Bell situation from last year, and that's a shame because I feel sorry for her that now she's going to be the one that's always kind of remembered for, oh, yeah, they took away her wooden from her because she was stinking up in the ring. Because we all have bad days at work, kids. She just happened to have one at the most inopportune time. But... I think it's going to be one of those things where they're really going to try and pack this card uh, for the Evolution pay-per-view in Long Island, I believe it is, or Uniondale. It's in Uniondale, I think, right? It's in New York. I know that much. But they're going to get the fluff on the undercard, and I think it's going to be a lot of red meat women's wrestling um, as a gift to the women for their hard work, as a gift to the women because of Saudi Arabia. And it's really going to hopefully hopefully, uh, help help that kind of branding. Now, you're going to have WWE's fingers all over this. You're going to have Stephanie, you know, making a big presentation in it to do. You're probably going to have Alexa Bliss towards the top of the card. So it's not going to be the purest type of card. But it's going to be a solid card, I think, from top to bottom, especially if you have a nice NXT title match in here. I think you're going to have... You're, you're probably either going to have Charlotte and Becky... Or you're gonna have Charlotte and Becky versus Bailey and Sasha, which will be a gift to them. So, so I'm looking forward to women's wrestling in this latter half of the year. I really am. I think it's gonna be great, and I'm I'm really looking forward to the Mae Young Classic this year. I watched the Parade of Champions. They it's so simple. All they do is is introduce people in the ring and talk about them, but the emotion that the women are showing, the response of the crowd, it's so simple. And yet it's so effective. Go out and watch it if you can. I think it's on Facebook video. You can probably find it on YouTube as well. Hey kids, Rob McCarran back here with you to let you know about our great sponsor this week on Shake Them Ropes, Mac Weldon. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. They are a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. They will be the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants and more that you will ever wear. And the line of silver underwear, they are naturally antimicrobial. So if you are out there, if you are active, they are going to eliminate odor. They keep you looking great and smelling great for your entire day. You got to try Mack Weldon right now. They want you to be comfortable. So if you don't like your first pair, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. That's right. Where are you going to find a return policy like that? Because if you are not big fans of it, you give it right back to them. But they're so confident you won't have to do that because Mack Weldon gets the job done right by you. Not only does Mack Weldon's underwear, socks, shirts look good. They perform well, too. It's good for working out, going to work, going on dates, just everyday life. Right now, via Shake Them Ropes, you can try Mack Weldon 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code STR at checkout. That's right. MacWeldon.com. Enter promo code STR at checkout. That's M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com. Promo code STR for 20% off. And you know what? Once you get your Mac Weldon, show it off. Show it off on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Tag Mac Weldon. Tag Shake Them Ropes. Let us know what you're rocking. Let us know how you're looking good. Enjoy Mac Weldon. Enjoy Shake Them Ropes. Jeff Hawkins coming back at you to not talk more about the Alaska Airlines theft. Oh, and before I forget, one other thing of interest about the Mae Young Classic is the broadcasting team for me. Um, 
it shows how important they find this, and especially for the build to Evolution, or the women's Evolution or Revolution pay-per-view, that Michael Cole is going to be doing the play-by-play duties. Um, Michael Cole is there to be the company guy. He's going to be there to say certain things to get women over. And you're going to be able to tell who the company likes by who Michael Cole is really, really putting over. Uh, Beth Phoenix, who was has been okay in what I've heard of her on color. Um, I think her and Lita are virtually interchangeable in some ways. Um, I don't say that as a negative. I just, she doesn't move the needle a lot for me. And Renee Young, who... Look, she used to be on the play-by-play team at NXT. She wasn't very good. Maybe in a three-person booth here, talking about women's wrestling, she'll be better. I have my doubts. And she's going to be on Raw this week calling it as well in the coachman spot, I believe. I don't believe they're going to do a four-person booth. I think they're going to do a three-person with uh, Corey Graves, uh, Renee, and Michael Cole. Renee is best... Being kind of the Michelle Beadle-esque, you know, uh, not polished, but conversational type on, on a morning show or on a panel show. That is her sweet spot, in my opinion. I think she does fine with the interviewing. Um, not terribly spectacular, but her, her strength is being conversational, whereas someone like Charlie Caruso, to me, has what I like to call that big market local anchor polish as if she was trying to go for the national spot um, at some point. You know, she'd be working in L.A. or in New York, you know, doing the 6 o'clock news. She has that kind of polish. She has that kind of heft as kind of a straight news type person, whereas uh, Renee has that kind of morning show conversational vibe. I think that's the best way to describe the differences between the two. I don't I don't want Charlie on a, on a play-by-play panel either. I'm just wondering what they're going to do with Renee here. And I think that's where it's going to depend here. Is she going to be giving anecdotes about the people she's seeing, Um, especially on this Raw this next week? You know, after interviewing people for this long, this is what I've gathered from them. Or is she going to be getting fed stuff, you know, trying to be funny and and just, you know, one of the boys just out here calling Raw? Um, You know, it could be hit or miss here. And... You know, you, you don't root against her, but I have my doubts that, I mean, she's going to be better than Coachman, probably, but then again, there are people who like Booker T better than Coachman. I, I it's, Booker T is not my thing on commentary, I'm sorry. I, I understand the car crash aspect of it, but he's not my thing on, on there. So Raw and SmackDown this week were a tale of two promos, pretty much. Um, on Raw, you had Paul Heyman. I thought Paul Heyman was great in his role. I thought Paul Heyman's delivery was spectacular. Um, I like the aspect of, <laughs> you know, he's been quote-unquote ambushed by a tough reporter, so he's trying to get her to, to really dig into him like, like you know, she wants to. Uh, my, my drawback on this, I am not as high a praise as someone say like a Bruce Mitchell over at The Torch was on this in terms of it being one of the best promos, you know, ever. And that has nothing to do with Paul Heyman. It has nothing to do with the performance on the promo, because I think the promo in a, in a bubble was spectacular. 
my problem is if you watch WWE television, WWE likes to liken itself to episodic TV. And on episodic TV, you can do things like have no passage of time between episodes. You know, if you watch Game of Thrones, the thing that's happening on episode four is usually happening five minutes after what happened on episode three. In the WWE, they do the same thing with a lot of their stories here. But the problem is a week's passed. They're in a different city. And it's live sports mentality type of thing. You can't you can't have the matches move on and not have the stories move on, no matter how much they try to do that. And that was the thing that was driving me nuts. I mean, in, in, a, in the real world, I don't think Heyman would be have been crying all week, still be marked up from Brock Brock Lesnar's hand. He might be. And still kind of at a loss for words. He would have had some time to get over it. He would have been a schemer, and he'd have a scheme. Now, that's probably what's going to happen in retrospect, but you're not watching it in retrospect. You're watching it as it unfolds. Now, if it's an act that he's putting on there for Renee, you know, which I tend to think it's probably going to be great. Um, but as it was, it was a good promo, and it was the most compelling thing on Raw. I loved it, to be honest with you. I think it also kind of, I wouldn't say it tipped its hand as to what's going to go on, especially with the uh, button that they put only for the website, I believe it was, where, where, where Heyman goes, you know, the one thing that Roman needs to beat him, or something to that effect. Um, my first impressions of where they're going with Heyman after this is they've been playing up this contract for so long. I think Roman wins probably with Heyman's help in some ways, but Roman doesn't realize it. And so now Heyman wants to be Roman's uh, advocate, but Roman being the, you know, alpha male can do it by himself type, I don't see that happening. So I, I think it's going to be one of those, for a couple weeks, you know, Heyman is going to kind of hang out with, with Roman until Stephanie makes an appearance and goes, well, you know what, you have that contract with the WWE, but your contract says you have to have a talent under you, and since you're not, you know, representing anybody right now, you're fired. Na-na-na-na, hey-hey, kiss him goodbye, until Brock comes back. Because they don't want to use Heyman for other things. They don't like that Heyman gets all this credit for things that he does on TV. So I think that's where they're going to go with this. They're going to go, they're, Roman's not going to turn heel, and they're, going to, they're not going to use Heyman for another talent. I think they're just going to have one of these things where there's an uneasy partnership because Heyman's still a heel and Roman's still a babyface until Roman Pride tells Heyman to step off, and that's when Stephanie gets, quote-unquote, revenge and fires Heyman. That's, that's where I think that's going. Over on SmackDown, they're still pushing this Ms. Daniel Bryan story. I don't think it's the way we, we wanted it. I think we wanted a little bit more nastiness in the promos, much like the talking smack went. I think there's a little bit too much product placement of Ms. and Mrs. involved in this feud to take it seriously. But the things they've done for WWE, they're... They're good for WWE. You know, Brian showing up and attacking him on the quote-unquote set he had set up in the back. I thought that was kind of cool. 
But they're also doing the same storyline with Daniel Bryan as they are with Johnny Gargano, which is the babyface who's so driven by rage he's out of control. Yeah, and nuance isn't their strength. So it feels like there could be more heat to this feud if they had really tried. We'll see what happens in the go-home show. Uh, you know, the same thing could be said a little bit of the AJ Styles, Samoa Joe uh, promo. I, you know, AJ Styles say, you know, oh, you brought up my wife, you brought up my family. Uh, I'm done with our friendship. That, that's a little too much for me. It's a little, that's a step too far. You know, you make it angry, but, you know, oh, and of course, you you can never say that people were making money before they, they got to WWE, so of course they were in cockroach-infested apartments and, and whatnot. You know, it, it's it's just, it, it's, a, it's a bridge too far for me. Same with Aiden English and Rusev. It started out very interesting, but, you know, I, I don't understand why anybody trying to do the right thing you know, eventually you're going to have a guy get mad at him, but they've been mad at him from week one trying to do the, the right thing. You, know, you say, hey, stop coming out there and trying to help because you're not. You know, and then you get mad at him. There's a progression to these types of stories that they always want to kind of cheat and, and jump to the the uh, the least interesting conclusion because they, they're afraid that the audience is going to lose, you know, lose their focus or whatnot. So, oh, we have to tip our hand here. We have to tip our hand there. We have to make it bigger than it has to be. Um, they've done a pretty good job, I thought, with Charlotte and, and Becky here uh, with the tension because I like that they're not tipping their hand on this one. It, it seems like they might be, but they're not. And it's a nice nice little respite. I'm, I'm going to be very interested to see this match. Um, you know, I think it's going to be the typical triple threat where you have two great performers and one who isn't as good. You throw the one who isn't as good out of the ring. You let the two people do their things, and then she steals the pin. And then the two of them have words with one another. I think that's what it is. Um, but, you know, we'll go over SummerSlam next week and all that's involved there, as well as NXT TakeOver. Bit of a change in the card there. Pretty big change in the card. Aleister Black no longer part of the triple threat. Gonna be Johnny Gargano and uh, Tommaso Ciampa unless they add a third. Um, I think they should. I think they should add Keith Lee to this because right now, you know, I, I think I think Ciampa and and Gargano, while a great feud, they need a buffer in there. And I thought the Black story was coming along really, really well. And him being the one that's out of this match, that just makes it another Gargano Champa match. And I think it's I think it's too soon. But look, the crowd's gonna be hot for it either way. Um heck, you know, make it a four way and put Riddle in there too, as opposed to just premiering him in the crowd, you know? I hate I hate having people lose on their first match. But if you're gonna lose, make it a title match. You know, why not? I don't know. That'd be kind of a bad idea. I think they're just going to keep it as Champa and Gargano. Um, I liked the EC3 and uh, Velveteen Dream bit um, up to a point. I, I have questions for you guys because, you know, I can be very critical of things uh, as this show shows. Is EC3 a little too goofy in his presentation for your liking? I think that's going to be the thing that keeps him from really being what he should be and 
you know, it it's a little bit of the WWFication of people. But it's it's camp whereas the character and the look right now with a more serious presentation could really be something here. Look, he's already got the crowd behind him. It's just one of those things where in that vignette it was like it was a little too cute by half. I liked it. Don't get me wrong, and I think they'd be a great tag team. I, I you know, if you're ever going to do an uneasy partners as a tag team type thing, that's that's those are the two guys to do it with because I think they have really great chemistry on stage. I think being aligned would be very interesting for the two of them, but I think both of them are much bigger single stars and putting them together in any way would would really damper what the two of them could be right now. And I think at least one of them's probably earmarked for the for the main roster sooner rather than later so that'd be a bad idea but i liked i like that he'll that, that a guy just can come over to another guy's place and they'll talk and they go no 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 we're gonna save this for later now look the pool spot was goofy and it was cool but i liked you know i like keeping them separated i i like that and you know what they can have their 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 run-ins just but just have them talk and we're going to save it for we're going to save the fighting for the big card. So let's call this one a day, shall we? Cuz this was the penultimate week up until we get to the real blow off or the real build for SummerSlam, which will be next week and we'll have pull apart brawls and all that other stuff. Hope to have somebody on for the preview. Hope it's Rob, might not be. Might just get a guest just for the hell of it. Go visit our sponsor, Mac Weldon. Buy stuff. Use our code. Tell them you love us. Because, you know what? It means you love me. I'm at CrapGame13. You can follow Rob at Rob from Indiana. The show is mostly posting the show at Shake Them Ropes. Go to VoicesOfWrestling.com. Join in the forums. I'm also cutting this short because I'm about to watch Omega and Ibushi, and I think it's going to be spectacular. But that's not my lane. I'm staying in my lane. Good night.